You're listening to 2, 5, and 10, your source for bullshit-free NHL news, analysis, and insights. Now, here are your hosts, Kevin Naughton and Ben Stewart. And welcome to episode 63 of 2, 5, and 10. Getting to that point, New Year is tomorrow. Well, New Year's Eve's tomorrow, and then we have New Year's Day, the Winter Classic on Wednesday. A little Predators and Stars action, a little big Central Division rivalry. Benny, what up? How you doing? How was the break for you in Christmas? Oh, the, the, the break was nice. Uh, Sierra ended up flying in, so she was here for a week, and she had a break Cam's heart when she left. So, I mean, I keep referencing that to her as maybe that's her uh, reference point for moving back. You know, I had Cam lay it on strong, you know, make, make sure you tell Auntie that she needs to move home. So I don't know if it worked or if it didn't, but we'll see. How, how was your break? All right. It was good. I mean, just to touch on that, speaking of Sierra breaking things, I saw that uh, fall at the trampoline place. <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good spill there, Sierra. Um, but yeah, break was good. Uh, the first lady and I hosted our first like official dinner party with her family on Christmas uh, Day. I uh, had a good meal there, had some good gifts, um, but the break was good. Got recharged a little bit and then ready to kick off 2020. This is actually kind of weird, like starting off like, you know, with, with the normal goodbye. So, so this is actually kind of nice. <laughs> no, I'm sure we'll find something to talk about at uh, the end. I'm sure we will. We always do. Speaking uh, of breaks, break. Yeah. Do you want to get into, Do you want to get into Ovechkin taking a break over the All Star weekend? Yeah, well, we could get into that. I mean, isn't this like the second year in a row that Ovi's trying to protest going to this thing? Like, or wasn't it? A couple of years ago, he faked a sprained ankle, and it, it always seems like there's something with him at the All-Star game. I remember a couple of years ago when uh, he went into it when they used to do the draft, and yep. he was telling everyone, pick him last, and at the <laughs> end, he comes out saying that, oh, I wanted to be picked last so I could donate to this charity that I'm with. It, well, it's like, well, that would have been nice to say from the beginning, so maybe someone would pick you last. Like, yeah. did, did it end up being Phil Kessel that year who got picked yeah, last? Yeah, Phil Kessel, and he got the car. Yeah, so what, what Ovi was going for, he didn't end up getting. I believe last year was the same thing where he sat out or wanted to sit out, but he ended up getting forced in. Do you think, because, I mean, I feel that the All-Star game has kind of lost its flair, at least in the NHL. They've tried so many different things throughout the years. And it's kind of lost its glow in a sense. Like I remember growing up, we used to have some pretty wild shit, like North America versus the world, East versus West, like all this stuff. And now it's down to the divisions. Now it's down to what is the three on three, three on three is going out now. Do you think it hurts the guys? Like it's an all-star game. It's kind of supposed to be rest and relaxation. Now you're going out there and you got a hump for a three on three. It's kind of yeah. a little, uh, 
I don't want to say demeaning, but it's like, it's a little tiresome. Guys try to get away at this point. They want to go with their significant others and go somewhere else. And they get stuck going. Obviously, don't get me wrong. The All-Star game is a complete party the whole way through. But at sometimes, like when you go to eight, eight of them, kind of the same thing, no? Yeah, I mean, he like you said, he did this a couple years ago. And I think the first time was kind of hinted at it was more in protest of the NHL saying that they wouldn't allow him to go play for Team Russia in the, in the upcoming Olympics if I... Uh, because the NHL wasn't sending its players. So I, I remember that was like this whole subplot to that. I mean, this one, he's he's been there. He's represented. He's put his time in. He's getting up there in mileage in terms of uh, NHL years. I just, the guy, the, I don't think the players really like give that much of a shit anymore. And when it comes to this spectacle, like you said, I remember watching it, and it was just, we get to see... Gretzky versus Lemieux. We get to see Bore versus Richter. We get to see that all year long now. Because every team plays every team at least once or twice every season. So we get to see, like, for example, the Rangers are playing the Oilers on New Year's Eve. We get to see Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl against Henrik Lundqvist. We don't need the All-Star game to see that anymore. I think that was the biggest draw for NHL fans when we were growing up where we finally got to see those matchups. Like Owen Nolan calling a shot against Hashik. That wouldn't happen in a regular season. Yeah. Now it's just, oh, here's this kind of parody of a game. It's going to be like 11-10 in the first period. No one really gives a shit. The guys are just skating and basically doing uh, open skate practice. I think, do you think canceling the game and kind of just turning it into, because I know for contracts and financial earnings, being uh, named an all-star helps these guys in the paycheck with their paychecks do you think that they should just kind of name okay these are guys have been voted by coaches and reporters and writers as all-star games uh representatives and then they just kind of have this big fan fest thing where all the fans going to get to do autographs and uh, have fun there and then the players just kind of show up and float around or should they just cancel it entirely See, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think regardless, the players want to go there. They obviously want to put on a spectacle, but even the skills competition kind of sucks now, too. Like, yeah. it, it used to be so much better. So I think it's just all around they have to do something better to, well, do something better. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just one of those things, like, I just remember it being so cool and so awesome when I was younger. Now kind of watching it's kind of blah. Like the John Scott thing was cool a couple of years ago, even though the NHL hated it. But I don't know. Maybe just something different to spice it up. Yeah. yeah. It's, I think every All-Star game for the most part kind of lost its luster. The older we've gotten and the more the games have been exposed and you can watch it on your phone. You can watch it at home. You can watch it on demand. You got highlights everywhere. The Pro Bowl, no one ever gave a shit about that. I mean, I think the only All-Star game that still kind of has that sway with its fans is the Major League Baseball All-Star game. And that's just because of the, uh, it's really intensive fan voting and it's just part of the pastime of baseball takes that shit seriously um, in terms of voting guys to the All-Star game. I think when it comes to the other sports, it's just the fans stuff the ballot box. You just want to see their guys. The uh, players don't take it too seriously. Like, I don't understand. 
if you put it, if you're okay, let's let me put it this way: you're on the Bruins. You have the choice between being named an All Star and not playing, which might help you in your contract, or being named an All Star and just not playing at all, or being named an All Star or not being named an All Star. It's just canceled entirely. There's no All Star teams, no nothing, and then you get the five days off. I mean, regardless, guys are getting five days off throughout the season. Like, that's in the NHL thing now where every team gets a week off. Yeah. And obviously, whether guys go as a group or they just go individually, guys do go away. They just try to get away from the rink for a little bit. And it's understandable. It's a grind. But I'm with you on the other side of if – you're telling me I could make an extra 50 grand by going to this all-star game thing. I'd probably think about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's just, I mean, I know the sport and uh, the board of governors is in a tough spot with having to make the decision on keeping it going. And if they decide to keep it going, which I assume they always will because of the sponsorships um, and a TV deal that trying to get fan interest and make it seem important and make it more fun. I just don't think the NHL knows who they're trying to target. The three-on-three is more of a high-scoring, fun thing. That kind of screams that they're aiming it towards young kids. But then if you're doing it to the young kids, why would people like us spend money on all-star game jerseys, flying to the all-star game and making a weekend out of it if we don't care about the games? So I just think that there's a happy medium that they haven't found yet. Do you think part of it is the superstardom just growing up seeing a lot of these guys that had that essence about them like ray bork mario lemieux yamir yager joe sackick peter forsberg like when these guys went to the all-star game they wowed you you wanted to see them and now there's a couple obviously there's mcdavid there's crosby do you think as it gets a little bit lower I feel like the NHL in general, hockey's a very secluded sport where there's only X amount of fans, but their superstars that they had before were absolute superstars. Now it's like if someone who doesn't know hockey, they could walk by Connor McDavid in the grocery store and have no clue who he is and keep going. Yep. So I I just think maybe that has to do with it. The whole complete superstardom part of it. I don't know. And I'm assuming, I'm sure part of it, besides hockey being, uh, in at least in the United States, the fourth most popular sport among uh, the major sports, the uh, the helmet issue. They they're not on ESPN. They're not on Sports Center. The NHL has been doing a better job on social media, uh, but not still not doing a great job like uh, the NBA does. So I think there's just. I think there's a chance for them to kind of step up a little bit more and gain more popularity. But the fact that Conor McDavid isn't a household name like Mike Trout in baseball baffles me. Absolutely. I mean, you don't see skills and finesse like that kid has ever. You know, that's a once-in-a-generational talent. Yeah, I just keep going back to the 94 All-Star game with those sky blue star jerseys that the Eastern Conference wore playing against the West and all that stuff and just kids don't grow up with that anymore and it's kind of a shame. Agreed. It is a shame. 
Well, uh, I'll say, speaking of the All-Star game, you want to go into the uh, lineups that we got? Yeah, so today the NHL released their All-Star game rosters for each division. Uh, just to give a quick overview of the rules, all 31 teams seem to be represented, which always puts um, some guys at long odds of making it at the expense of a guy that might not be as deserving because their team needs to be represented. Um the other thing that's interesting is um, the roster construction. So each team in the division is made up of 11 players, six forwards, three defensemen, and two goaltenders uh, is the general parameters. But it just needs to be 11 players. With that being said, the Atlantic division will start there with your Bs. The Atlantic Division roster is Tyler Bertuzzi from the Red Wings, Anthony Duclair from the Senators, Jack Eichel from the Sabres, Jonathan Huberdeau from the Panthers, Austin Matthews from the Maple Leafs, David Pasternak from the Bruins, Victor Hedman from the Lightning, Shea Weber from the Canadians, Tuka Rask from the Bruins, and Frederick Anderson from the Leafs. What are your thoughts? I'm... Not sure if you kind of had a sketch of who you thought should have been voted in under those parameters, but do you think there are like any big snubs or any surprises that made the roster? I just can't believe it's Jonathan Huberdeau's first All Star game. Like him yeah. and Barkov down there, phenomenal. And ah, uh, fuck, I said it again. I gotta put a I gotta put a quarter in for your buddy's jar over there. <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, but um, like the, those two guys are just incredible players and. It, it sucks that obviously it's only going to be one or the other coming out of there, but those guys just great talents. I'm happy to see Huberto finally make one on the back end. Victor Hedman surprised he's going. I, I know, uh, I know he's having a good year, but Tampa as a whole kind of down. It, interested to see that uh, Stamkos or Kucherov or any of those guys aren't up there. That's funny, huh? Yeah. Uh, he's only has what 37 points on the year so massively off the pace that he was on last year yeah you know so slacking completely <laughs> um shea weber how do you feel about him being there you think that's just the name or i mean he he seems like he's finally back to the shea weber of old but do, do you think that's just a name to go there from montreal as opposed to the talent i think it's Pretty deserving, especially with the way that they constructed the roster where they only have two defensemen. So either Weber or Hedman are going to be on the ice the entire uh, game that they're playing in. Um, he has 11 goals, fourth among defensemen. Uh, he's on pace for his first 20-goal year since, I believe, either 2014 or 2015 with the Predators. So he's having a solid year. Uh, Hedman, it's, it's really hard to imagine that before the season we'd be saying this but they had to have the lightning represented and i guess they had to go with headman yeah their best uh, option yeah yeah like that's crazy to think at this point i just find it interesting they just went with two defensemen and took the extra forward because uh i didn't have bertuzzi as an all-star but i felt like he could have been deserving I just didn't think that they would only go two defensemen, so that's the only issue there. Um, Tuga and Anderson and goal, of course, no issues there. So uh, probably, and I will get into the rest of the teams, that's an incredibly explosive forward group. Yeah, I mean, and Duclair's on fire right now, too, along with Eichel. 
Yeah, I, w- I want to see Matthews and Pasternak on a line. I mean, if it was Tavares or Marner instead of Matthews, would you be upset about that? Or uh, I feel like it would be more, I would rather have Marner over Tavares if it wasn't Matthews, but... Yeah, I probably would have went with Matthews myself, or maybe Kasperi Kapanen. Your boy. <laughs> um, moving on to the Metro Division, uh, the roster is Matthew Barzell, the Islanders, Jake Ensel from the Penguins, Kyle Palmieri from the Devils, my boy Artemi Panarin from the Rangers, his first All-Star game, uh, Travis Konecki from the Flyers, John Carlson from the Caps, Dougie Hamilton from the Hurricanes, Seth Jones from the Blue Jackets, Braden Holpe from the Capitals, and Jonas Corposalo from the Columbus Blue Jackets. But, but maybe out because of the injury he just the sustained. Injury. So that's a TBD as to whether he's going to play or not. Dude, I think John Carlson's going to get 100 points this year. Crazy. Fucking insane. I, I love John Carlson. I'm, I might be biased because he's a Boston guy, but... <laughs> I, I've just always liked the way he played. Um, Barzal, absolutely. Gensel, obviously, due to injury, he he's the guy there. Fun, funny not seeing Sid. It's it, it's awkward, but uh, yeah. you know, good for him. He can take a couple of days off. Uh, I'm with you. I'm surprised. Our Terry Panera his first All Star game. Who the hell got picked over him in Columbus? Fucking uh, Felino. <laughs> I'm assuming either Bobrovsky's one year or probably like Seth Jones or something like that. All right. I guess that's acceptable. Um, uh, Connecticut and Philly having a great year too. So I have no beefs on this lineup, except maybe instead of Hamilton from Carolina, it should be Chef Shvanko just so you could do those fucking goals in the all-star game. <laughs> Yeah, no, Sveshnikov, Ovech- sorry, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, and then Ovechkin would come from the stands and just lay him the fuck out again. Yeah, flying elbow. <laughs> um, are you surprised that they went with Jones over Orensky in Columbus? I th- I wonder how that works. I wonder if they got to like rock, paper, scissor before they go or, or however that works. But I, I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, they're both young, incredible, I mean, talents for sure. So... Do I think Wierenski's having a little bit better of a year? Yes. But do I think Jones is more of a household name? Yeah. So maybe that's where he gets the nod. Yeah. And for me, the biggest surprise was that Corposalo was named an all-star. I know he's been playing a little bit better lately, but the fact remains that through the first 40 to 45 games of this regular season, um, the Blue Jackets have... I think the fourth worst advanced uh, statistical goaltending in the National Hockey League um, on expected saves, expected goals against, uh, looking at all the, the heat maps. So I'm surprised he got it. I mean, you go, look at a guy like Simeon Varlamov, who's on the fourth best team in the league. He has a stronger save percentage. He's been more consistent all year long. I would have went with him instead, but I guess because they chose uh, Barzal at they decided to go in another direction. But, um, yeah, I'd rather have just Cam Atkinson or uh, something represent Columbus. Understandable. You're not going to hear any argument from me on that. (laughs) Um, Moving on to the Central Division, uh, Patrick Kane from the Blackhawks, Nathan McKinnon from the Avs, Ryan O'Reilly from the Blues, Mark Shifley from the Winnipeg Jets, Tyler Sagan from the Dallas Stars, Eric Stahl from the Minnesota 
Wild, almost had Minnesota Twins. Uh, Roman Yossi from the National Predators, Alex Petrangelo from the Blues, Jordan Bennington from the Blues, and Connor Hellebuck from the Jets. Hard to argue any of the Blues guys. I know it's in St. Louis, but Bennington not falling off from where he played last year. Petrangelo, the same thing, and Ryan O'Reilly, just a man on a mission. You're not going to hear any arguments from me about Patrick Kane or Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) Uh, Mark Shifley... Uh, I mean, he, he's probably the best player up there right now. Blake Wheeler not having the year he's usually having. So, I mean, understandable why they went there. Tyler Sagan, I mean, long dong Tyler, uh, just there for the ladies for a couple of kills on the all-star break. <laughs> Eric Stahl from Minnesota. I mean, who else are you going to pick from Minnesota besides your boy Zook? Uh, Roman Yossi having a great year with the Preds, even though the Preds aren't having the best of years. And then Connor Hellebuck and in net. I mean, no, I'm not really. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds good to me. Yeah, I mean, for this one, it's kind of just shuffling chairs on a Titanic, if you will, in the sense that, sure, I probably would have went with Parisi over Eric Stahl. I wouldn't have picked Tyler Sagan to make the All-Star game at all as the first selection just because that limited – uh, the division to only two defensemen. And I think the fact that Cam LeCar isn't being highlighted as a bright young face of the sport at the All-Star game is incredibly short-sighted. Um, just to try and fit in Tyler Sagan, you already have... So here's the issue. They're trying to fit in as many blues in as possible. I think you should have went with McCarr over Petrangelo if you're still doing two defensemen. Uh, you have the blues representation with Ryan O'Reilly, I would have chosen Ben Bishop over Bennington to represent Dallas, and that would allow you to pick uh, Cale McCarr for the Avs representation with McKinnon. Um, so, yeah, it's just a kind of couple of things that could have been shuffled, but I, I think you got re- you got to represent the future of the game, and the fact that, McCarr, that Cale McCarr hasn't been selected just as a first-choice All-Star is kind of like, Really, just to get Petrangelo in there or to fit in Bennington, that's, who's having a good year. That, but that's that fan, that's the fan vote where they give it to the fans. And, uh, you know, obviously the hometown team's going to have as many of their guys there, but three guys on the same team, I'm with you, a little excessive. Yeah, especially with the way that the rosters are formatted. I think there should be a limit on the amount of guys that can be chosen from the same team. And do you find it weird, too, that the NHL went away from that Young Stars game? Because they used to have that before the all-star game where yep. the night before. And l- like you said, talk about showcasing these younger guys. And now kill McCarr, who could be arguably one of the best defensemen in the game right now in his first full season, not there. I think I'm sure this was floated and I didn't just come up with this on, in the spur of the moment. And I just, my brain's kicking up uh, all this from the inbox. I feel like that if they had a Young Stars team, like you just pick, no matter what conference, you just pick. Oh, best, that'd be good, yeah. And then you have them play the the winner of the NHL All-Star game in a tournament. That'd be cool. Like you could see, uh, I don't know who you want to pick. Let's just say McCart uh, coming in on a breakaway against Halibut or something. Uh, but we ha- you just have like the Young Guns against the Metro Division All-Stars if they win the NHL All-Star Tournament, and then after that tournament's over, they play the Young Stars or something like that. 
or you just have the young stars play the best of the best in NHL, and that's the All Star game now. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's the way you do it. But yeah, just to get everybody in there would be ideal. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so oh, just some shuffling there. Pacific Division, the dumpster fire of a division of my mind. Uh, the selected All Stars: Logan Couture from the Sharks, Leon Dreisaitl from the Oilers, Anze Kopitar from the Kings. Fuck the Kings. Connor McDavid from the Oilers. Uh, Elias Pettersson from the Canucks. Jacob Silverberg from the Anaheim Ducks. Matthew Kachuk from the Flames. Only one defenseman selected, and that's Mark Giordano from the Flames. And in goal is Marc-Andre Fleury and Darcy Kemper. I mean, I was just going to go there. Are you surprised there's only one defenseman here? Like He's going to be playing the entire game? It's, like, I, I don't get how that works. Um, unless you're just going to have McDavid going end-to-end, then I guess that works. <laughs> Uh, uh, Couture, you, you probably could have put him or Timo Meyer in there. I think Couture gets it just for being a bigger name. Obviously, you couldn't have Dreisaitl without McDavid and McDavid without Dreisaitl the year that those two are having up there. Anzi Kopitar, probably your best bet from the Kings. Uh, your boy, Elias Pettersson, I mean, they said he's going to be lifting on the All-Star break weekend to fill out that, that bod for you. Yeah, 114 pounds. How do uh, how do you feel about Sil- Silverberg there? I I have no idea why Silverberg is in the All Star. He's having a solid year, but holy shit! Can you talk about just fitting a duck into the lineup? <laughs> and having Matthew Kachuk in there. Your thoughts on that one? I th- I think he's fine there. Uh, I still think he's either tied or second on a team of points even though they're struggling this year uh, so I don't have an issue with that the fact I'm kind of surprised that again they only have the one uh, defenseman I think they could have gone with at least two and I always pronounce his last name wrong because I don't get enough Coyotes games but uh, Jacob was it Cheshron Chikrin yep Chikrin like fifth, he has nine or ten goals in a year. He's twenty-one years old. He plays twenty minutes a night on a first, second-place team. I think if you're looking for a second defenseman, that's your guy. But the fact that Giordano is the only one, uh, he's having an okay year. Like I don't know. And talk about bounce back too for Chickren. Had a nasty leg injury last year. Yep. Rehabbed a shit ton all last season and over the summer. And I mean, good for him to bounce back. Yeah, having a great year. He looks like he's going to be an elite two-way guy in a Western Conference for the next few years. So, yeah, like like you said, glad to see him come back from that. Do you think that um, they were going to have Drew Doughty as one of the defensemen, but once he found out Kachuk was on the team, he said he's not going? <laughs> um, I would have just, I would have loved to see in the skills competition the puck. One of the skills is. The puck is thrown into the corner, and Dowdy has to go retrieve it with Kachuk coming in. <laughs> yeah, like, we're on the same team, like, we know. <laughs> we do that, do that ten times, and whoever gets the most uh, puck retrievals wins. And uh, Darcy Kempfer recently injured, too, so we don't know if he's going to be participating in that spot. So uh, Maybe another will send Alan Gale as the goalie replacement. <laughs> you, you, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that'll, uh, that'll really open the game up. <laughs> The last thing is that 
the NHL, just like Major League Baseball, has the last uh, man in vote. Uh, so basically, the player with the most votes in each of the four divisions will be added to the All Star Game rosters. Uh, they will be announced, I think, on Saturday, January 11th. Uh, I can just run through who's eligible from each team and the, each conference. So. It's only one from each division, so each guy in each division has to outvote everybody else in their division. So, in the Atlantic division, it's Patrice Bergeron, Rasmus Dahlin, Dylan Larkin, Alexander Barkov, Max Domi, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, Steven Stamkos, and Mitch Marner in the Atlantic. Who would who do you think is going to get the vote there? It's a fan uh, vote, remember? If it's a fan vote, I, I'm going to guess Stamkos. I'm going to go... I'm going to surprise you here. I'm going to go with Patrice, Patrice Bergeron. I mean, r- rightfully so. I just think that they, they'd rather go for that lightning in a bottle, no pun intended, because he plays for lightning and Stamkos. <laughs> but, like, as opposed to Bergie's, like, 200-foot game, I don't think it really yeah. fits the all-star three-on-three mode. But Yeah, I think it's going to be Bergeron, Stamkos, Martyr as the top three vote-getters in the Atlantic there. Uh, in the Metro Division, it's... Teru Teravainen, Nick Foligno, Nico Heischer, Brock Nelson, Mika Sabanajad, Claude Giroux, Chris Letang, and TJ Oshie. Ooh. Uh, I like Oshie, but with already having two Washington guys, I don't think it'll be him. Maybe Giroux, just off the name. All right. I mean, I have to go with my boy Mika here on fucking fire. Um, I'm... If the Rangers weren't involved in this division, my pick would be either Teravainen or Latang. So, um, Central Division: Jonathan Taves, Hey, Kale McCarr, Jamie Benn, Ryan Sutter, uh, Matt Duchesne, David Perron, and Patrick Laine. Ig, who's going to win that one? Yeah, David Perron. <laughs> Who do you think should win yeah, that one? It should be Kale McCarr. Yeah, and I understand Perron's having a career year for himself. But just to clarify for everybody that's listening, it's David fucking Perron. Like, yeah. we're talking about a third-line guy currently playing on the second. Like, this isn't a fucking Hall of Famer we're talking about. This isn't a guy who has incredible talent. This is David Perron, a mucker, who's just popping in rebounds and doing gritty work, which is fine. I mean, fuck. Yeah. But it's like, there's no reason why he should be in over Kale McCarr here, and like we discussed earlier with the three fucking blues that are already in here, if you add another one just off a fan vote, it's kind of bullshit to me. Yep. I agree. I think it's going to be Perron just because it's in St. Louis. It should be McCarr. Uh, if McCarr doesn't make the All-Star game, I'll be fucking livid. Um, I'm actually contemplating getting a McCarr Avs jersey just because that's how much of a fan I am of his. Uh, Pacific Division, Ryan Getzlaff, who apparently his corpse is still skating. Uh, Clayton Keller, Johnny Gaudreau, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Drew Doughty, Tomas Hurdle, Quinn Hughes, and Max Pacioretty. I like personally Clayton Keller or Johnny Gaudreau. I, I think okay. one of them should be there. Who do you think is going to get it, though? I think if Kempfer pulls out, they might put, well, they wouldn't put him in there as another forward, though. Mm, they they might have to go D on this one. It might be the Kachuk Doughty show. <laughs> I think 
if it's just strictly based on fan vote, it's probably going to go to Johnny Goudreau. Uh, but I think it should be Quinn Hughes. He, he's having a great year, Quinn. I think him in a three-on-three game, an entire game, all night long, it would be a lot of fun to watch. I mean, he's doing it every night now, so with there, <laughs> there's no checking or anything else. I'm sure he'll be doing okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, those are the 2019-2020 NHL All-Star rosters pending the last men in vote, uh, which we will no doubtly be correct on each and every single one of our picks. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it should be fun at the All-Star game. Uh, it's going to be weird not seeing Hank there, though. That is interesting, but um, you did post on our Facebook page his wonderful commercial that he had, so everyone should go and check that out. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it gives a very emotional locker room pump-up speech to the uh, World Junior Sweden team, so it should be a good watch for you guys. Um, speaking of World Juniors, I know you wanted to get into this, the whole national anthem helmet issue with Barrett Heaton. Yeah, that was a rather unique situation where I don't think I've ever seen a home team such as Russia during their anthem start trying to come across the blue line and pointing. <laughs> I was I'm sitting there watching and obviously because Russia won, they only really have the cameras on Russia. So I couldn't even tell that Hayden had his helmet on. Yeah. So then you see that what caused the issue and everything else. And then still kept his helmet on too, which is even funnier. He but um, like he didn't know what was wrong. It, yeah, didn't know what was going on. And I can understand that with IIHF, the rules are completely different. So as for people to know or not to know, maybe they need to be more specific in their instructions as to what happens, you know, pre-game, post-game, player of the game, how, however they do all those scenarios. But to then go into the line and for the refs to not be on top of this after is like egg on their face of they just had an issue during the anthem and now you're going to have them shake hands like yeah be a little bit better be a little bit smarter because it was the russian captain who pointed at his helmet didn't shake his hand then three others behind him yeah there was either two or three behind him that didn't shake his hand either uh hayden came out afterwards with the comment of he was already, you know, foreshadowing as to how the team could get better, and he was kind of out of it, and he apologized to Russia and the team. You know, he didn't want to cause anything like that. Don't know with how Russia feels on it, if they accepted an apology or not. But, I mean, that definitely put a uh, – that got the World Juniors going a, a little iffy. I mean, a 6 nothing win for Russia over Canada. Uh, that division is an absolute nightmare. Russia, yeah. Canada, the U.S., uh, the Czech Republic, Germany. Like, it has been a crazy division. So it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. Uh, U.S. finished their last game today, their preliminary round. Everybody else plays tomorrow, so we'll see what happens there and where teams fall out. That Shane Pinto for the U.S. is having an absolute tournament. And Trevor Zegris or Zagris, I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah. the last name. Two, well, currently he has nine assists in the tournament. If he gets one more, he ties Phil Kessel's record for the most in the tournament. But then on top of it, nine of those, all, every one of them is a primary assist. It's not like he's just getting thrown on the score sheet. 
but two incredible feeds. One, he comes behind the net back door, flipped it back that way. And one today, it was like the Austin Matthews spinorama, which he did last year, cross crease far side to the guy. I was just like in awe watching it. I'm like, that is insanity. So the boys are ready to play. I mean, it wouldn't be a world junior championship without some type of anthem controversy. Um, I feel like there's one every single time. The thing with Hayton for me is this isn't his first go-around when it comes to international competition. He was in it last year. He knows what goes on, especially as a captain, when you're standing at the fucking blue line and you hear a country's anthem playing. I don't know if you... I'm not going to go as far as say he did it on purpose, but if you were that absent-minded when you're hearing the Russian anthem playing and you're standing at the blue line and you still don't realize your helmet's on... I have some severe concern about his fucking hockey IQ. Uh, I'm going with, uh, I'm defending him to the, to the bitter end. He, <laughs> he was just in the zone, focused on the next game, but no, I'm with you. I mean, you can't be team Canada's captain and be blatantly that disrespectful. Cause if it was anybody else on the team, maybe it's different, but when the Russian team is looking at you and you have your back to them and they know you're the captain and you're the only guy with this helmet on on the line, might be an issue, just a little bit. I think everybody lucked out that during the handshake, it was only the Russian captain pointing at his helmet and then the next two or three guys just refusing to shake his hand instead of actual fisticuffs. Yeah, well, I, I think that's the other thing too, where if this was... Actually, I can't even say the Olympics, but with this tournament, we just saw what Joe Valeno on Team Canada got suspended for, for a quote-unquote headbutt. Uh, He got one game for a headbutt for basically putting visor to visor with another guy. And if they actually had a brawl, I mean, they'd probably suspend both teams. Like, that's just the way the IAHF is, so good for them to hold their own control and not risk wherever they are in the standings. But yeah, if this is somewhere else or an NHL game, I I think it ends a little bit differently. And I'm someone who gets annoyed when I'm at a sporting event and the anthem is being played and people have their hats on or they're just talking and bullshitting with the people next to them during the anthem. And I've never actually said anything because, like, it's not worth it in the end. But if I, if me and you were playing for Team USA in the World Junior Championships and we're playing one of our rivals talent-wise and country-wise and the team captain was not taking his helmet off, I would have skated over and ripped off his fucking head and pulled him, like, horse collar him. It's But that's just me. Yeah, I mean, it's just so fucking strange. <laughs> just the place in general like over there it is just a different world sometimes and i know it's i iihf and they're the governing board of that tournament but one other thing with them this tournament when it's come to penalties they have been the weakest penalties i've ever seen i've seen just phantom hooking calls just you need to be a little bit better i myself i am a referee in don't get me wrong, I understand that sometimes you see things that are there or you're a second late on calling them and you're doing it in your head, like, should I, shouldn't I? But I, I almost think they went into the tournament saying, like, you guys need to call all these penalties. And some of them, I'm like, that's that's brutal. Like, let, let the guys play a little bit. 
And I guess one other big I... thing for uh, that tournament, uh, questionable for the rest of the tournament, the projected number one overall picked in the 2020 draft, Alexis Lafreniere for Canada, out with yeah, the knee injury. Yeah, so that's a huge hit for Canada. I mean, he had four points in that game against the Americans, the first game of the tournament. He's been carrying them. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I think... I think the kid's have a player. Have like a timetable? They have not. They just said he's questionable. I know Canada's playing tomorrow, and that'll get him to a draft spot, and then, uh, a, Jesus, a draft spot, a tournament spot, and then they would go to the quarterfinals would begin on Thursday. Okay. I, I think they're, he's probably going to hold himself out in the tournament, realizing that he's probably the first overall pick. Yeah, it says here that there was an MRI revealed no fracture or torn ligament, but there's no timetable for his return. Uh, so typical, is he French-Canadian? Lucky guess. <laughs> typical French-Canadian. No tear, no break, but ow, that hurts. <laughs> Owie. <laughs> Owie, that hurts. Someone touched my knee, I need to parade myself around and might miss the rest of the tournament anyway i'm just kidding because that looked like a fucking i thought he tore his up his knee so i'm just kidding about that it was more awkward than anything the way he kind of went into it was like uh, yeah you could tell it wasn't a good look yeah um speaking of not a good look do you want to get into weekend reviews Yes, we are fucking <laughs> battling injury right now, throwing the white flag at the IR. Uh, currently out, Tory Krug and Charlie McAvoy. Connor Clifton went down last night. Um, Jeremy Lozon called up today. I, I guess one of the only plus sides is that we're on a three-game winning streak, which is nice. Uh, we're still not playing that good of hockey, though. Um Friday night when we played Buffalo, we won the game, but at the same time, I mean, there was points there where Buffalo kind of gave it to us a little bit. So very lucky to come out of there with the win. The game last night, I mean, Buffalo came to play. We ended up getting through it just kind of like the game on Friday. Uh, what else have we spoke about? Oh, it was before that. Then we had that Washington game while we were on break where that's where that Krug injury happened. That's where the McAvoy injury happened. Oshi with that hit on McAvoy with one minute yeah, left in the game. That, that's that, to me, it's kind of bullshit that with a minute left in the game, now you want to fucking play hard and light somebody up. Uh, the whole Tom Wilson incident. Are we the big bad Bruins of before? No, we're not. And then that came out with red flags everywhere. Every reporter coming out of if the Bruins make the playoffs, is this, you know, the Achilles heel that they don't have toughness? I just want to clarify that game's a Dano Chara was not playing. He ended up getting surgery on his mouth because the screws that he got in for his broken jaw had gotten infected. So they had to go in and replace those and set those up again. But we still have the big fella back there. When it does come to toughness outside of that, yeah, I do think we're we're lacking big time. If you look at the lineup, I, I think we have strong guys, but not to the point of Tom Wilson strong, not to the point of Ryan Reeves strong to kind of deal with that bullshit. Patrice Bergeron is an absolute workhorse. Is he a fighter? No. 
pasta? No. Is Marshy going to go in there and ruffle feathers? Yeah. Is he actually going to drop the gloves? Probably <laughs> not. You, you go to the second line, Krejci's the same thing. He He's not there. I mean, we're probably looking at fucking Brett Ritchie and Chris Wagner. Like, like those are our go-to guys if we're going to take anybody off the ice for five. Uh, a little scary. I hope... And I don't know if he has or if he hasn't. I kind of hope that Brandon Carlo took some boxing lessons in the offseason where he's been great for us defensively, Brandon Carlo. He even scored a beautiful goal the other night, joined the rush, came in, tapped one in. But if we do need a toughness factor, I think just off size alone and the game that he plays, he might have to be one of those guys, whether he wants to or not. So we you, will see where do, this do you hear that? Do you hear that? I don't Do you hear, hear that music. It. I don't hear it. No, is that Milan Lucic's music? No, see, dude. <laughs> if if Luch came to us at like three million a year, I'd be all over it. But for the money he's making now, like we can't take that cap hit. And what's that? Oh my god! Do, do you hear everybody screaming now? Even though they want to get rid of him, David Backus. What about Backy? Send Backy in to fight. Yes, absolutely. I I agree completely. But one of the other issues is with a person like David Backus, who's had all the concussion problems that he has, say, yeah. I don't know if that's the best thing for him. I would feel very uneasy as an organization having him as dropping a glove. Yeah. So it's like, obviously if something happens on the ice, you need to address it. And he decides he's going to do it. Have added hats off. I, I hope it all works out, but uh, be on the bench and give him the tap on the shoulder to tell him he needs to go out there and do what he has to do. Yeah, very uneasy about that, especially with the history. So we will see where all this leads to. I'm hoping we can kind of get a nice stride going here. We play the Devils tomorrow at 1 o'clock, a nice matinee game. And then we have Columbus at home on Thursday. So hopefully we can keep the good mojo going and get a nice five-game win streak here. I don't know if he's good enough to just fill a spot in as the 12th forward on the fourth line in the playoffs for you guys. But I will gladly ship you guys, Michael Haley for a bag of pucks. If you're just offering the bag of pucks, I'll take them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so for the Rangers, since we last spoke, they won three out of four. They beat the Ducks in Anaheim. They lost to the Flyers. Uh, They beat the Hurricanes at home. And then they beat, the Maple Leafs on a road in Toronto on Saturday night. Uh, in overtime, Anthony D'Angelo with the game-winning goal after the Rangers blew a two-goal lead in the third period uh, where Matthews, I think it was like a minute and eight seconds left in the third, he ripped a glove-high one-timer from the uh, right circle uh, on Georgiev to tie the game. Uh, can't really do nothing about that. Uh, but they... Held on, they won in overtime, showed some balls in that win. Uh, they're starting their West Western Canada road trip. They play the Oilers tomorrow, New Year's Eve, 9 p.m. Eastern. Then they play the Flames, first game of the decade uh, for the Rangers. And then they finish it up on Saturday against Vancouver before coming home uh, for a quick two-game home stand. But in the meantime, I have... Things have been going well, at least offensively, for the Rangers. Uh, Lundqvist and Georgiev are still standing on their heads, keep pulling the Rangers to respect it, not even respectability, 
in the same neighborhood as respectability when it comes to uh, defensive metrics, just because of the goaltending. Um, I just have a very quick rant about how David Quinn utilizes his roster. And I know this isn't a scheme of things, but the Rangers had three days off. They played back-to-back. They played at... Uh, they lost to the Ducks, then they played the Flyers, and then they had three days off. They're playing the Hurricanes, and they're down two. Actually, sorry, no. This is against the Maple Leafs on the 20th. They're down two with eight minutes left. They just had three days off. Why the fuck is he playing Greg McKegg? Why is Greg McKegg getting a regular rotation in this shift? among the forwards. When you're down by two with eight minutes left, you're three days off, you can double shift whoever the hell you need to. I just don't understand at even strength why he's seen any ice time, especially when you, for the entire regular season, Quinn couldn't find a semi-regular shift for a kid like Anderson uh, to get a turn. But Greg McKegg is out there, the guy who probably couldn't even score in a whorehouse. So I don't really get it when you're down and you're not shorthanded. Now on to some good things with David Quinn. And I think he finally stumbled onto a legitimate top six forward group. And wouldn't, wouldn't you know it, it's with all six guys being his best offensive players instead of having Jesper Faust on the first line. Uh, we have Kreider and Sabanajad back together, reunited just like they were last year. They both really have picked up their games uh, since that happened. For the most part, it's Pavel Buchnevich on their right wing and even though he still isn't producing much on a score sheet, he's more engaged. Uh, he's playing a little more physically. He's getting involved in the rough stuff after the whistle. He's still passing up way too many opportunities where he needs to shoot, but I think that's just a, more of a confidence thing. Um, and then the second line, if you can believe it, the second line has Panarin on it. He's centered by Ryan Strom, who is absolutely crushing it where, and picking up where he left off last year, 35 points in 38 games. Uh, he's averaging just under 20 minutes of ice time a game. He's our bonafide second-line center, um, and we got him for Ryan Spooner. So I think he's talked and played himself into conversations about it, a contract extension with the Rangers, especially, and I'll get into this with the elements with Leas Anderson. He has great chemistry with Panarin, and if you can spread out Panarin from Zibanejad, you have two legit scoring lines, and I think that's huge. And Strom is still only 26 years old, so it's not like he's some 31-year-old guy who's a flash in a pan. Maybe this is, it's, it's his third team, but maybe this is just the opportunity and the right environment for him to really hit that potential uh, from when he was drafted to fifth overall in 2011. So, that's a big development for us and a positive development. Now the last two negatives, Lemieux broke his hand, fractured his hand. He's out for four to six weeks, kind of a big blow, especially on our third line because he started playing well with Philip Heedle and Capocacco on the third line. Uh, so we miss him there. And the, I guess the biggest storyline is Leah Anderson has demanded a trade and has quit the Hartford Wolfpack. Uh, he walked away from the team his agent formally requested a trade from the Rangers organization. He wants to get a fresh start somewhere else. And 
I feel like part of that is on how Quinn handled things. Part of that is coming from his draft status seventh overall, which was already too high for a player like him, even the when he was drafted, people thought so. But he's not doing himself any favors by quitting and demanding a trade. Like you're putting the Rangers in a bad position because now they lose a lot of leverage if they do want to move you. They're not going to get anywhere close to equal value back for a lottery pick that was just taken two years ago, two, three years ago. And you're going to live your trade market on teams who are going to see that you quit after earning absolutely nothing in this league and go, he's too much of a headache to deal with, especially since he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way when he threw the silver mouth hands in the World Juniors. I don't know. I think his t- tenure with the Rangers is over. I just think it's crazy that he just quit after getting sent down um, from New York and demanded a trade. Speaking of trades, I hear a lot of rumors out of there about Kreider and Strom. Do you think the Rangers are at the point of they're going to try to cash in at this deadline, or do you think they're all in with the team that they have? Uh, I mean, when it comes to, I think they're all in with the team that they see themselves having the guys in a roster for next year. And unfortunately, that does not include Chris Kreider. Um, just because I don't think the Rangers are going to pay Kreider at 29 years old, six and a half, seven million dollars a year for six years. Uh, even if they could, but because of the Shattenkirk buyout, um, and a few other things with the cap situation that's going to start next year, I don't think the Rangers can afford that anyway. Um, especially with the Panarin deal and the Truba deal. So I don't think there's any way... Kreider has a future with the Rangers unless he wants to take a nice four-year deal at $6 million per. Maybe the Rangers can make it work then. But they haven't talked. Him and his agent and the Rangers haven't talked about an extension at all. So he's started playing better lately, which will help his trade value. But he's going to be another one of these guys who was part of the maturation of the organization in early 2010s and was part of the core for all those great years this past decade that's going to be wearing another sweater this year and probably for the next six years. All right. Now I have one question before we go to picks and all that other stuff. Um, Anthony Beauvoyer on Christmas ends up <laughs> tweeting at your girl, Anna Kendrick. Is the beef with you and him even realer than before or what? Uh, I don't think I could. It's physically possible for someone with such a French Canadian name to actually beef with me because it wouldn't go well. Uh, um, but he, listen, I got my first lady. He can try and find his. All right. I'm just throwing that out there. And one other thing I saw was NHL.com and NHL NBC came out with the top 10 players of the decade. Uh, mm-hmm. Number one, Sidney Crosby. Number two, Alex Ovechkin. Number three, your boy, who was not named an all-star, Eric Carlson. Number four, Patrice Bergeron. Five, Connor McDavid. Six, Evgeny Malkin. Seven, Henrik Lundqvist. Eight, Anzi Kopitar. Nine, Steven Stamkos. Ten, Zdeno Chara. Thoughts on that list? The fact that Chara isn't fourth is mind-boggling to me. Like, I think it should... Like, that Carlson is better than Chara for the decade 
is mind-numbingly ridiculous. Uh, it's it is like I, I like the list. I, I like the players on it. I, I'm with you though. I think Eric Carlson is extremely overrated, at least on that aspect. To be number three of top ten players of the decade is uh, that's a little bit of a push. No Kane, me. no Patrick Kane, no Jonathan Taves. No, no. I'm glad that Lundqvist is the goalie of the decade because, he, like, even taking away the fact that I'm a Rangers fan, I don't think many people would argue much when it comes to that i i'm just surprised i mean kopitar like sure he has the two cups he's a one of the best two-way centers of the decade Bergeron's the best two-way center of the decade uh taves is up there as the best two-way center of the decade kane's better i would rather have one of those guys on the top 10 before carlson is even in the top 10 I, so I, that's I just have, my thoughts. I have to agree with you. So, um, I got a quick question for you though. Uh, going back to the Strom uh, talking point that I had, mm-hmm. I know he struggled. He bounced around from the Islanders, and he went to the Oilers. Struggled there. He had his moments there, and then he was shipped to the Rangers for a Spooner. And now last year, he took off at least goal scoring wise. And everybody was like, "Oh, it's just a short sample size." This year, he's on pace to finish with 76 points, 54 assists. Like I said, he's only going to be turning 27 this summer. If you're the Rangers, put yourself in their shoes. If he's down for a three- or four-year extension at $4.5 million per, is, do you think that's more than fair for both parties? Who's he playing with right now? Panarin. Oh, well, I mean... Do you think someone else could go up with Panarin and put up those numbers, or do you think it's a lot more chemistry based and they got something going? Uh, to be honest, I think they just really well together. I mean, Panarin can play with anybody. He's played a lot of time with Sabanajad, and obviously that works well together. But when you're at a Rangers and you're going to be losing Kreider, uh, Buchnevich really isn't a first line guy. Kako still has to, has to earn his spot, I think. And Philip Heedle, who's really played well since he got recalled from Hartford. I don't know if he's better than... I don't know if he can go into next year expecting to make a run at the playoffs with Philip Heedle centering Artemi Panarin expecting a seamless transition from where what you're getting from Strom. And then that's my only concern where if the Rangers are going to try and spread out the scoring and separate the Benjamin and Panarin, that if you're also doing that with Philip Edel and Ostrom, that might be a problem. No, I, I agree with that completely, that if you are going to spread them out, if you already have something that's working, I'd keep it. The fact that we're even having this conversation shows how strong of a player he's been. Hey, I mean, like you said, you got him for Ryan Spooner, not even in the NHL anymore. <laughs> I think that was one of the last trades that Peter Chiarelli made, so thanks for that. Yeah, on the way out, uh, one last goodbye. Um, all right, let's go into our picks. Um, we had last week off, obviously, but who do you got for game of the week and lock of the week? Well, two games of the week, obviously, Nashville at Dallas in the Winter Classic, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, like we said at the beginning of the show, very big central lineup. Uh, Thursday, I have at 
9.30 Eastern time, St. Louis at Colorado. I think that's going to be a really good game as well. Two of the heavy hitters in the Central. And then my lock is Saturday, Colorado at New Jersey. All right. For me, for the first time ever, I am also going to have two games of the week. Um, the obvious one, like you said, the Winter Classic, the Cotton Bowl sold out. I think that's going to be a great aesthetic. Yeah, I wish s- the Predators were... They, what was that? They said the most amount of tickets sold to a Winter Classic. Yeah, so that's going to be awesome. Uh, I'm glad the Stars are having such a strong showing uh, in Texas there. I wish the Predators were just playing better this year. By the way, fuck the Predators. I know I had that little rant the last time after they played the Rangers with all their uh, the shit that they pulled at the Garden. But... The very next night they played, or the next game that they played was against the Islanders. And the Predators were up, I think, by multiple, I think it was a three or four goal lead. And they got a power play late in the third period. And Laviolette put out his power play unit, like top power play unit. And that pissed Barry Trotz off. So I guess the reason why the players play like a dickhead is because their coach is a dickhead. Um, But my second game of the week is going to be New Year's Eve. The last game on a docket, the St. Louis Blues on the road against the Arizona Coyotes. I think that would be a fun little matchup. My lock of the week, I'm going to go to Friday, January 3rd, the Dallas Stars at home against the Detroit Red Wings. Well, one last rebuttal for the Nashville Islanders incident is that Nashville power play this year is close to dead last. <laughs> so maybe it was just yeah, in good. hopes of kind of just, you know, maybe the guys can get one here. But, yeah, I don't know. Get him going. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So for today in NHL history for December 30th, the last today in NHL history of the decade. In 1981, Wayne Gretzky scores his 50th goal in his 39th game, which shatters the NHL record. It is, he also finishes the year with a still NHL single-season record of 92 goals, which is fucking ridiculous. Um, and in 2006, Martin Brodeur, Mr. Fatso, sets an NHL record for most career shutouts with one team when he helps the New Jersey Devils defeat the Islanders 2-0 in Nassau Coliseum. It is, it's the 86th shutout of his NHL career, all with the Devils. Who do you have for uh, shout-outs this week? Shout-outs. First Lady, I had a nice Christmas with her and her fam. Uh, she got me some nice gifts, uh, which is always appreciated. Um, I'm also going to give a shout-out to her friend, Christina, who lives up in Boston. Uh, I, Ann and I recently just spent a good amount of time uh, furnishing our living room. I uh, got a nice new couch, uh, hung some shelving, put some decorations up, some uh, framed photos, all that good stuff. And as a housewarming gift uh, and a surprise, she sent us two very nice uh, uh, couch throw fur pillows that go well with the couch that we ordered through her company. So very much appreciated there. Um, and I guess just a shout out to the fact that we started this tech- decade together and we're ending it together, my man. That we are, yeah. Ten years strong, XOXO. <laughs> um, di- are my kids on your fridge at least, or, or where do they end up there? They, 
they're on our Christmas tree, and actually, I still have every single year of the photos, even when it was just you, Redder, and Cam. And um, was the two, five, and ten hat a good go for the Christmas cards, or what? I like it. The red really goes with the whole theme, man. Yeah, you know, I I blend it as best as I could. So, uh, if you hold on, if you also would like a two, five, and ten hat. Send a self-addressed envelope full of $100 bills to Ben Stewart at... <laughs> yeah, and, and we will print as many as you would like. Uh, what do we got this week? Shout-outs. Yeah, Christmas was nice, so shout-out to Big Red. Travel wasn't as bad. Uh, I guess I'll shout-out Sierra. Thanks for coming. Thanks for leaving. Uh, trying to, <laughs> you know, I don't know what else to say there. And Oh, know who else I want to shout-out? At just about the halfway point of the season. I wanted to shout out your boys, the Detroit Red Wings, for having a negative 70 goal differential. Just wanted to put Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on in Motown there, but yeah, it looks like that's another bet I'm going to be losing when it comes to them versus Senators. Oh, God. I, I can't wait for all the drinks to be on that credit card when we go to <laughs> Queens. <laughs> but um, everybody, thank you, as always, for listening. Uh we had a great decade together, me and Benny. We hope that you guys on the past year and a half have enjoyed us. And everybody, have a very safe and happy new year. Listen, we're all old enough. Don't drink and drive. Get an Uber. The tea runs late. Get on the train. Just go in safe. Get home safe. Enjoy yourself to the best of the abilities. Pop some bubbly. And we will catch everybody next year. That, I guess that's my dad joke on the way out. But uh, love, peace, and hair grease, everybody. We'll see you then. Better in my next 30 years